This is Amateur Logic, episode 111, for November 15th, 2017. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com, and by ICOM. Looking for the perfect gift to put under the tree this holiday season? Check out ICOM's line of D-Star radios. Hi, welcome to Amateur Logic, episode 111. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Peter. And I'm Emil. And it's good to be back. It's uh, a little late start for us tonight, but that that's right on schedule. It is, see. just like clockwork. Okay. The clock just runs a little slower than most. So what have you been up to, Tommy? <laughs> I just have this flashback, like deja vu. That happens so often. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> Well, I got a uh, I got a new toy. Um, I got a oscilloscope, and I've been mm-hmm. playing with it a little bit. And I actually did a little project related to that this time. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to playing around with that stuff. I saw that, Peter. You were out last month. Uh, have you recovered? Uh, it, uh, I recovered from the viral infections, plural, that I had last month. But uh, I nearly wasn't here for this this month's episode because I actually ended up falling from a ladder. Onto my back from about seven foot up. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, nothing broken, but uh, a bit bruised, and uh, I've I've learnt my lesson to be a bit more careful in future. Yeah, if you're Mm. like me, you don't bounce nearly as well as you used to when you were younger. No, not true. Not like a tigger. No. Wow. Glad glad you're all right. Yeah, man. That's that's rough. Yeah. Oh yeah. I my. My cousin's husband, I guess that makes him my cousin-in-law, or whatever. That works. <laughs> anyway, he yeah. fell off, and uh, he he got some kind of internal injuries. He was in the hospital for a long time. Wow. So you're, you're lucky you got by as easy as you did, which I'm sure uh, it didn't feel easy. Uh, uh, I've heard people have warned me, and they previously said to me, look, when you're over 50, your balance isn't as good as it used to be. You do need to take a lot more care. And sort of, you know, you sort of half hear it and you don't really believe it. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of merit to it and um, you should uh, uh, be a lot more careful uh, when you're over 50. A lesson for everybody out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that goes for everybody, even if you're under 50. Email, what have you been up to? Well, the weather's getting a lot more pleasant down south here, as I'm sure you guys have been experiencing, too. Oh, it's in yeah. the 50s here tonight. And uh, so we've been out camping, and I've been working on my uh, MCOM station, adding some pieces, like Tommy said. I've got some new toys. Cool. Well, we'll be looking for those here in a few minutes. You know, anytime we're doing a live show, we've always got a chat room going on, and there's a lot of folks in there right now. Uh, having a good time. I haven't been able to read it all, but uh, never am. We 
We take a look, though, every chance we get and, uh, and see. And we get a few cues out of there, too, as to yeah. what, what we need to talk about. If you're, if you're not in the chat room, if you're watching a live stream and you're not in the chat room, you're missing a lot of the fun because uh, there's a lot of hijinks going on in there yeah. typically. So you may want to check it out. If if you're watching the recording of the episode, which most folks do, uh, sorry um, <laughs> you missed the chat room, <laughs> but that's just the, the way it is. Yeah. It uh, only uh, happens during the live streams. So, you know, last episode we gave away a radio. We did. Yeah. Uh, and I got a picture back of the radio in action. Uh, this is from Cousin Ed Thomas. I mean, Ed Thomas. <laughs> WD8. You delivered to him at the family reunion? No. I, I, we're, we're not kin that we know of. Uh, and I, we didn't know each other uh, before he won the radio. It's WD8KCT. Ed was a lucky winner. You can see he's got that IC 7300 there. And I see he's got a couple ornaments on top of it right there. He does. And, and look at his excellent taste in video there. Yeah. On the monitor. Mm-hmm. So it, look, it looks like the radio found a good home. So congratulations on uh, on winning it. Yeah, Ed. We, we know you're... Well, he already said he enjoys it. Oh, you know? oh yeah. And yeah. The more he uses it, I'm sure the more he's going to enjoy it, too. Yeah, so. no doubt. It's really nice. Well, um, glad we could do that, and thanks ICOM and MFJ and Howl Sound for. Oh yeah, you know, definitely couldn't do it without you guys. Yeah, if if it was just us doing it, you probably would have won a homemade spark gap transmitter. Yeah, and yeah. and you wouldn't have had the gold on the PL two fifty nines. It would have just been the cheap ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. cheaper, cheaper yeah. ones. <laughs> uh, so, anyway. Okay, well, moving right along. <laughs> Peter, you've got an email for us tonight from, um, well, from a potential new ham, huh? Absolutely. It's uh, an email here from Dylan. Um, and Dylan says he's been working through our backlog of episodes and he's uh, worked his way up to number 50. Gosh, there's quite a few there now, 110 odd. Uh, he's also... Um, uh, ordered his manual from the Wireless Institute of Australia and will be uh, meeting with his local club tomorrow with the intention of joining. So it sounds like he's, uh, he's becoming a new ham, which is a, a great thing. He also mentioned, though, that he's uh, found a subreddit page on the topic of ham content podcasters. Uh, he noticed that we uh, weren't listed there. Well, we are now. Uh, thanks, Dylan, for, for the, uh, the link. Uh, it's reddit.com forward slash little r forward slash hamcasters with the capital on the H and the C, if anybody's interested. So, um, yeah, look, uh, thanks again, Dylan, for that. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's good uh, good to be uh, represented in these um, uh, in these forums. And uh, good luck uh, with your ham exams. Yeah, uh, good luck with it. And yeah, you, you added us to that. Yeah, I did. I actually did it this morning, about 4 a.m. I I couldn't sleep, and I got up and got my laptop and sat there, and I put an entry in. I need to add some more, but I had the first one. Yeah. And I'll I'll try to to keep it up as we post these these shows and uh, try to keep it up there. Cool. I'll have to go check it out and see what it's all about because I have no idea. It's kind of a directory, just kind of rolling directory, you know, as things are, are published and then they'll kind of scroll off, then the bottom, the newest ones will be at the top. Okay. 
All right, well, Tommy, you gave us a little tease a while ago of, of what you were going to be showing us tonight. You got anything else to say about it? No. It, uh, I may, I'll have a comment after you watch the video. Okay. I ran into a little snag, and you'll, you'll see. But All it right. ended up working out. If you remember a few months back, I ended up building one of the little JYE Tech DSO-138 oscilloscope kits. It's been a nice kit, but that turned out to be a bit of an entry-level drug for me. So I ended up wanting a little bit more, and I ended up buying a real oscilloscope, as you can see right here. I ended up getting the Siglent 1202X-E 200 megahertz, and the reason I did that is because I wanted to play around with the FFT or the Fast Fourier Transform functions in there, as, as well as wanted more bandwidth. But anyway, I wanted to play with that. I couldn't really afford a real spectrum analyzer, so I thought I'd play around with that stuff and see. Well, to get the RF into it, I needed a way to couple it into the scope, so I'm going to build a little project today to do that. Now, there's several ways you can do it. You can use some resistors and some caps and get a direct tap off of the RF line there. Or, But what I'm going to do is I saw a video on YouTube about this, and I actually saw George use a couple of rubber ducks on his to get RF into it. So I have two chassis mount BNC connectors here, and I went ahead and I made two holes in my Altoids 10. By the way, this is the elusive licorice Altoids that you can't hardly find. But anyway, I, I painted this one black because I've got a few other Altoid 10 projects around here and I want to be able to separate them to just identify them visually easy. So I'll go ahead and mount these in. When I was in Dallas a few weeks ago, I picked up some resistors for this project since we don't have any place here. And all I could really find that would do were these two watt 10 ohm resistors. So I have five of them. That'll give me my 50 ohm impedance I need to match for my rig. When I run the RF into it, I'll have a good SWR, and we'll test that later. So what I'm going to do is put five in series, which will be the combined resistance of them. So five will give me 50 ohms. Uh, I wanted some bigger ones so I could do them in parallel and, you know, and end up with more for more heat dissipation. So this will give me 50 ohms at uh, just hypothetically 10 watts because of this so I'll, I'll keep the power very very low run into it and run it at a very short period of time so I think these will be fine so let's go ahead and get started I'm going to mount these in my little piece of perf board here so I'll cut this off to fit and uh, keep it over to the side where my chassis mounted BNC's won't be in the way I'm going to run a small piece of wire from the center pin of the BNC over to the piece of perf board and then that'll give me my 50 ohms. I'm going to take a piece of wire, wrap it around the wire that's going to the perf board and that's going to act sort of as an antenna and give me a coupling to get the RF into my oscilloscope. To mount it, I'm going to use uh, the universal PC board mounts hot glue. Well, let's get started. So let's go ahead and mount these. What I'm going to do is mount them where they run like like so. Two and then two and then I'm going to have one going crossways. I want to keep the piece of perf board as small as possible. 
break it right there. And then if I do this one, about that line, I think we'll be good. Now that the board has the resistors on it, let's go ahead and solder them in. I've already been preheating my soldering iron, so let's go ahead and take our good solder here and get it mounted. I had to use a piece of wire for one of the resistors to make a little jumper because I ended up cutting the board too short and had to relocate one of them to the side instead of on the end crossways like I originally planned. Now it's about time to mount the BNC jacks on here. So I've got one for the input and one for the tap for the scope. Before I mounted both of the connectors, I decided to go ahead and put the wire on the one that was going to wrap around the coax cable later. If I did it right, I should have 50 ohms of resistance on the input to the output. To save a little bit of time, when I get through checking the resistance, I went ahead and I put the piece of coax from the center conductor of the input connector to the one side of the resistors and the ground to the other side of the resistors. Okay, the finished product. We'll hook up our transmitter to here. We've got our 50 ohm low wattage dummy load here. We've got our antenna that goes off to our oscilloscope tap. And our ground on the other end of our array, on the other end of our little resistor network here, goes to ground here, to ground here, and this is to the shield. I went ahead and did that. The can should have been shield enough, but I painted it outside and I just wanted to make sure I had a really good ground. So I should be able to go to the shield to the center. And I've got nothing. Found out I had a problem. I shorted out the board on the bottom here. When I was testing with my ohm meter, it showed up easily enough. So what I'm going to do is go ahead and I put the piece of foam in here and I'm going to glue the, I've glued the foam down. I'm going to put my little board on the top of that. Now that's together, let's go ahead and check the impedance again. And I've got 49.5. I think that is going to be good. I don't like the way this wire is wrapped, so I'm going to wrap that again just a little bit tighter. So to sum it up, we've got a 50 ohm dummy load that'll handle about 10 watts. I'll only ever run maybe one into it. We've got a tap that comes off to hook up to our oscilloscope and the input from our radio. All in a nice little Altoids 10. So that's the input. I'll label this later. So let's uh, hook it up to our oscilloscope and see what we've got. Make sure it works. All right, we're going to hook it up. I've got it hooked up to my IC92AD. My ID51's in my bag, packed up uh, from work, and I haven't undone it yet, so I'm just going to use this one. And I've got it run into, first of all, I've got it on super low power. And I've got a kind of a mess of wires here, so I've got to work on my situation for connectors here and, and my probe connection. I'm hooked up here. I've got my IC92AD hooked up. I've got it connected to a little device we just made. Everything's, everything looks good. 
and I'm going to have to hook my probes up and just touch them to here because I don't have the right connectors right at this moment to set that up. But we should still be able to test it out. I've got the radio on super low. Because I don't have the connectors for the BNC yet, I'm going to go ahead and hook the scope up to the inside here like so and hook up the ground right there. And we should see something. Let's go ahead and try the push to talk. And uh, I'm getting this, my sine wave in there. And I see my radio is on 146.44. And I'm showing exactly 146.44 on my oscilloscope, as you can see in this picture. Just curious to see if we have any heat. Those are just as cool as they can be. I've got some noise coming in, but I suspect it's probably because of the extended wires that I've got going from the radio into the oscilloscope. And I'll, I'll look at that later. Uh, next time we'll pull the scope out and hook it up and look at the spectrum analyzer portion of it, or the FFT math function. And we'll look at the frequency domain at the uh, the output of the radio. I'll probably hook it up to an HF radio though so we can look at harmonics since I only go up to 200 megahertz. I had a problem on the bottom of my board and I had to try to get that pull the board off where the uh, mm -hmm. put the hot glue under it. It kind of bent the board so that was actually the second tin. When I painted one I painted an extra one. I guess it's a good thing I did. So the, the hot glue is more of a permanent solution when dealing with Altoid tins. It is when you put too much on there. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> so uh, my my favorite though, Tommy, was definitely the uh, air virtual the virtual uh, schematic. air schematic. <laughs> yeah, it, it works great. Yeah, the persistence is just kind of kind of not very long, but yeah, yeah, cool. Well, so it worked out okay. Did did you? I, I'm I'm wanting to ask you because I knew it's one reason you bought the scope. Did you try playing with the FFT any, or you a, just a little, I did a little bit, but I had to get my segment done before I went out of town for work, so I had to put it up until I got my editing done. It, so I'm actually wife's gone out of town this weekend, so I plan on playing with some of yeah, that stuff. That's tomorrow. a little little tougher than looking at a sine wave. Yeah, I yeah. did I did bring it up and look at it. And I started to get some screenshots of it, but then I decided I'd wait and do a different yeah. segment on it. Yeah, because it's a little more involved. Yeah. Or at least it is on my scope. It, and it is on mine, too, because you got to do several adjustments to get it to the right frequency range where you, to see what you want. It's not just, there's no auto setup like it is for, uh, yeah. for the sine wave. Yeah. A little different, but it should be fine. I I wanted, I'd like to have a spectrum analyzer, but I can't justify paying that. I can't really afford to pay that right now. So this would be the next best thing I can play around with. It should be fun. You can probably find a buddy with a spectrum analyzer. That's kind of what I was thinking. You know, that's what I thought I was going to do for the oscilloscope supply also. Yeah, but you shouldn't have told your buddy, hey, you buy one and I'll buy one. Yeah, I know. But I never <laughs> did make that claim for the, for the spectrum analyzer no. portion. No, you didn't. Well, you know, we've we've been getting a lot of pictures lately from uh, people wearing the Amateur Logic swag. We have. We've got a few to go along this time. Um, well, this first one here, you know this guy, don't you, Tommy? Yeah, that's my buddy Matt. Tommy, thanks for sending back the shirt so it could travel with me again. By the way, it looks almost as good on you as it does me. Here's another picture. 
and a short video representing. Can you guess where it is? And uh, that's, uh, I think we covered that was the uh, Detroit Airport. With 20 the terminals. terminals. Yeah. yeah. Goes underground, doesn't it? Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Uh, so when, when you get through with the shirt, Matt, uh, just send it back before the next ham fest so I can have my turn. With yeah. Well, I, you know, people were guessing everywhere. It it was a little while before yeah. somebody at guessed. At first, I thought it was Atlanta, but because there's one of them that's kind of different like that. And then uh, there's just a few. I did end up putting Detroit on there, but I took a couple guesses on there. Yeah. Uh, James is asking, did the hat get grounded? Uh, well, <laughs> the, the hat was in the air. I think that's why he's asking that. The hat is at 35,000 feet as we speak. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to hear back from the hat. You know, last month we had a, uh, a picture from our friend in Finland to May. As a matter of fact, it was, this is one of the pictures we were looking at right here. And we were trying to decide if that was a tower he was standing on there. Anyway, he uh, wrote me back and said, Hello, George. Uh, you did ask about Coley. Yeah, I tried to get online, but a bit tricky on our side. It's 4 a.m. here when you're doing your episodes. On that morning, needed already uh, rushed to my work as a paramedic for my 24-hour shift. So this is a tower. He sent us a, another photo, though, last month. We had some questions about, you know, he's got that rig sitting there, and it says Coley on it. And we were also wondering what kind of animal that was that was attacking the hat. So we didn't know what Coley was, and uh, he sent us a link. And here's what it is. If Tommy will scroll through there while I read this, uh, you ask about the radio, because uh, in that hill, Yuko Coley, I believe that's how you pronounce it. We do have a two-meter repeater area. And, yep, uh, there I was also on the tower, and we saw the tower approximately 12,000 feet above sea level. Uh, Finland, 100 years itself, is pretty flat besides uh, mid-European Alps. And... As you can see, uh, Coley there appears to be a vacation resort, a yeah, mountain it's like area. Yeah, national park or something type thing. Yeah. And the animal that we saw, he, he says, moose, we have plenty. And here in East, we also have bears and wolves. But that tiny Finnish moose started to remind him to watch out for those on the way to work and back home. Uh, it was very neat to be a part of the anniversary of Amateur Logic. I think that's a badger, isn't it? That does. Is that a honey badger? I think that's a real badger. A real badger. Okay. Wow. Well, it looks like uh, a nice place to visit, man. It does. It's beautiful. Don't show one that day to my I'm wife or she'll be wanting to go. Well, I want to go. Yeah. One day one day I'm going to get over there in that part of the world. Hmm. Uh, uh, take my wife, please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there's our swag photos for tonight. So, Tommy, if you wanted some swag, where would you get it? Well, you'd go to that website right there, amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com, and uh, get 
get uh, whatever kind of swag you would like. We've got several varieties of swag. We got caps. Got caps, yeah. Shirts. Shirts. Jackets. Yep. I think there might be a coffee cup on there too, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah, got uh, fleece jackets. Fleece jackets, windbreakers, mm -hmm. hoodies. Hoodies. I've noticed some folks, I think we're doing some Christmas shopping on there because uh, yeah, some folks got a, a pretty big order. Yeah, yeah, I just, that. just this week. So. Uh, anyway, you know, we just put it out there so that people can can get swag and be the best dressed ham at the next ham fest or yeah or you know a concert or um, church wherever you go yeah i really you know, appreciate just, you guys uh doing that stuff and uh, representing we don't really make anything to speak of off of those no off of those uh people requested it and uh so we put that little store out there and they pretty much sell for pretty well what the cost is except for a couple of dollars to Cover tax thing. I yeah. think at the end of the year, and um, that, that's the only place you can get it because we don't we don't have anything here. It, each piece is custom made when someone orders it. Nice, right. but uh, appreciate you guys getting them and wearing them to the ham fest and sending the pictures in. It's pretty awesome to see the, the pictures all the places that the stuff goes. Yeah. So, well, we're going to be back in just a moment to talk about uh, talk about Emil's tuner, but first. Let's look at Tommy's tuner. Are you looking for a tuner that's so plug-and-play that you'll barely notice it's there? The MFJ939 is the tuner you've been looking for. With a plug-and-play cable to match your choice of radio, this versatile tuner can be connected to all modern or classic HF transceivers. This is truly a tuner that's easy to connect and easy to operate. On supported radios, it can tune your antenna automatically, so there's no need to do anything but enjoy your time on the air. To give you peace of mind, this tuner has an audible SWR meter that can give you instant feedback. This tuner can match your radio with antennas that have an SWR up to 32 to 1. That's a 50% wider matching range than competing products that are less capable and higher priced. It can tune your coax fed or random wire antennas from 1.8 to 30 MHz using as low as 2 watts QRP to 200 watts single sideband or CW. Whether you're rag chewing or contesting, the MFJ939 is learning your antenna and the way you operate by storing your settings in its 20,000 available memories. The more you use it, the better it will perform. For super fast matching, instant recall technology checks to see if you've used this frequency before, so tuning is instantaneous. Their exclusive virtual antenna memory system gives you 8 antenna memory banks of 2,500 memories each. By using an antenna switch, the MFJ939 gives you the ability to assign an antenna to one of eight banks of 2,500 memories. Got a new transceiver? There's no need to buy a new tuner like you have to with some competing products. Just get a plug-and-play cable for your radio, and you are back on the air in no time. To see the MFJ939 and their full line of antenna tuners, visit MFJEnterprises.com today. That is a nice tuner. Oh, I love that tuner, man. It, it, it is nice. I've, I've told several people about it. They've got them. They, they like it, too. Yeah. You know, that's... Um, I think MFJ probably sells more tuners than than anybody else. And Oh, yeah. Well, they, they probably got more tuners than anybody well, else. Well, they too. do. And I, I think that's probably one of their top-selling 
yeah. items as well. well. I can see why. It's it is nice. It, it's uh, I used you know I used a manual one for years, mm -hmm. years and years and years, and I thought that was a way to go. And when I tried that one, like I'm sold. I haven't even touched my <laughs> manual one anymore. Yeah, but you know you needed the experience of manually tuning an antenna. At oh some sure. Point. Yeah. Uh, speaking of going automatic, I email. This doesn't look cheapo man compliant. It's probably not, but oh, hold when on. It comes we can't to, even um, show that then. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to functionality, sometimes you have to uh, put some money out there, and uh, that's what I did oh, with my nice. uh, MCOM station uh, recently. You know, Tommy, me, and you must be on the same wavelength here, but the uh, tuners, MFJ has a, uh, a 993 remote tuner. Mm hmm you know, for outdoor use. And I already had that tripod you see there, which mm -hmm. is their 1919EX. And uh, so I figured out how to mount my uh, 993 at the bottom of it, which is a um, an HF, uh, you know, tuner, auto tuner. That's uh, really designed to be out near the antenna or the wire. It, it, it matches uh, between, I think it's 6 and 1600 ohm uh loads and can handle about 300 watts and it tunes probably three seconds flat if not less once it learns um you know where you what you're operating on so that that became a pretty good add to my mcom station if i ever have to deploy now i can i have hf all the way through uhf and uh, i put some u-bolts on it and mounted it to the bottom of that and uh, in that picture you can see there's a bias t it actually gets um power uh, from my battery there, the deep cycle battery, and feeds it through to the uh, tuner, blocks it to, uh, from going to the radio. And uh, so it's powered right there. And like I said, it's it's added my functionality to that MCOM station, HF all the way to UHF. With about a 90-foot wire, I can tune all the way from uh, 160 to 6 meters. Um, so... That is the, at the top of that uh, mast is uh, my B-squared engineering uh, UHF, VHF. So from, from a little small footprint and with that tuner and a wire, a 90-foot piece of wire, you know, strung up in a uh, tree somewhere, I got it all in all modes and you name it. So good, good ad and it works. It just works. I've been using it for uh, about a week now. Well, you know, r really, the tuner should be right at the base of the antenna. Mm -hmm. That's that's the way it's done in broadcasting. Uh, those little houses you see at the bottom of AM broadcast tower—that's mm -hmm. what's in there as a tuner. Yeah. That's a really nice setup, man. It's r really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I wouldn't mind having one of those myself because mm -hmm. it just—it's better. You what you're doing. Uh, you can tune right at the rear of your radio with a, a tuner, like most hams do. But th all you're doing is making the radio see 50 ohms. You've still got, you know, um, currents flowing on the, on your coax on the shield and, you know, weird stuff going on. Because that coax is not, you know, it's not operating at 50 ohms like it should. Mm -hmm. You're just matching it's it to the radio. the radio. When you put it out there like email's got it right at the antenna, then that piece of coax going all the way from there to the radio is is operating 50 ohms like it should. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, yeah, and it comes it comes with that little bias T. Yeah. When you when you buy that uh, 993, and uh, like I said, it just works. So there's no uh, no controls for it. It just automatically senses the frequency and tunes. Exactly. Um, you put about 10 watts into it, and I usually put my rig on AM and put about 10 watts into it, and the tuner, you can just sit there and watch the SWRs disappear. <laughs> you know, two seconds later, they're gone, um, and it just matches it. So that's right. There's no control or no uh, nothing for you to do, not even the tuner button. You just key up on AM at about 10 watts, and you watch the SWRs disappear, and then you switch to the mode you want and operate like that. Wow. Nice. Don't get much easier than that. No. Well, Tommy, you've got an email tonight with a, a familiar photo to go I, with it. Yeah, I do. This is from uh, William W. Where's this call sign? W8LV. Uh, actually, goes by Bill. He says, on the opening scene from every Amateur Logic episode, I see about a second of this picture of upright white verticals. Which episode is it from? 73 and all the best. And you know, this normally wouldn't have bothered me, but yeah. I could not remember where that came from. It comes to find that it wasn't from me or you. No. At first, I was thinking it might have been one of the ones when I lived in Missouri. But I got to digging around, and I even emailed Peter, but I found it before he answered me. But that's Mount Dandenong, I think it's called, uh, over near Peter. And it came from episode 35, which came out in uh, December of 2011. Peter, what kind of verticals are those? <laughs> no, those are, uh, I think, um, uh, football posts of some kind. And uh, that, that is actually taken from a local primary school. Uh, Baronia Heights Primary School uh, here in Baronia. And uh, it's looking out at Mount Dandenong, which is about three kilometres away. And uh, beautiful sunny day, uh, great day to take a picture. I think that episode from memory, uh, I was um, doing a bit of a Wi-Fi test, a long-distance Wi-Fi, yeah. using a cantenna of some kind. Australian cantenna episode. Yeah. Yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, it worked really well. Yeah, so I looked up. It was it was really bothering me because I couldn't remember where it was. And so I actually thought about that, and then I, I Googled Mount Dandenong, and I looked at images, and you could see that that ridge line in those two towers up there. Like, hmm. every picture I found had the exact same thing on it, so I knew that was yeah. right. Yeah, most, hmm. of the, uh, most of the mountain is National Park, and the very top of it is where our local television towers are for the Melbourne District. Emil, did you have an email or a, a post to bring to our attention tonight? Yeah, I, I did notice on uh, Halloween, there was a post in our forum, uh, and I, I'm not sure if it was meant to be scary or what, but if, am, I, am I hearing right that uh, Radio Shack might be out, coming out of uh, bankruptcy again? Was that uh, Facebook or was that Google Plus? That uh... it, it was Facebook. Yeah, somebody shared a post. Um, I think it was Alfred Britt. He shared somebody else's nope. post. No call yet, Alfred. He's in the Yeah, he's in there. Room. I was just chatting with him a few minutes yeah. ago. He asked something to answer. Yeah. I mean, it was scary if that was on Halloween. There's lots of different projects you can use an Arduino for. For example, um, you could make a homemade rotator. But one of the problems that you run into is that, you know, your rotator might be uh, 20 foot away from you. And you want to, you don't really want to run a wire out to it to control it. So 
it'd be great if there was some wireless way of actually communicating with your uh, with your Arduino, and, and there is. And uh, this segment shows you how to uh, use a, a little uh, module called the HC06 uh, to basically get your mobile phone to control your Arduino, and in turn, then your Arduino can control whatever you uh, uh, want it to control. Today's project arose because I had a project that required communication between an Arduino and a Raspberry Pi. I tried to use the little 433 MHz modules that George had previously demonstrated, but I found them to be unreliable. So I headed to the internet and did some research. The solution I found is this, the HC06 module. The HC06 is a module that adds Bluetooth to an Arduino. One word of warning. Make sure that you're buying the fully populated board and not just the baseboard without any chips. I made the mistake of buying the baseboard, which is cheaper. The fully populated board can be purchased for about $3 Australian or more. You should see the chip attached to the board in the picture on eBay. The Raspberry Pi 3 comes with Bluetooth built in, so this makes communicating between an Arduino and a Raspberry Pi an easy and reliable solution to implement. However, you probably have another device that speaks Bluetooth, your smartphone. This means that if you add a HC06 to your Arduino project, your mobile phone can talk to your Arduino. This is great because it means that you can use your mobile phone to command the Arduino to do things, for example, turn lights on and off, turn a camera on and off, or turn a homemade rotator to point in a particular direction. Today, I'm going to demonstrate how to use your mobile phone, a HC06, and an Arduino to turn a light on and off. I'll also direct you to some resources where you can find out how to implement more complex projects using the HC06. The example I will give is based on an Instructables article but that article has an error, which I will address in this segment. All credit to Mayu Hirish for his project. Let's start with your mobile phone. The example I will give is made for Android phones. Sorry, uh, Apple users. Go to the Amazon App Store and download a free app called LED Controller by Mayu Hirish. I hope I've said that correctly. It's spelled M-A-Y-O-O-G-H, and his surname is G-I-R-I-S-H. Next, take an Arduino Uno and connect this using a USB cable to your standalone computer and open the Arduino IDE. Then visit Mayu's homepage at igniteinnovateideas.wordpress.com and go to the project called Arduino Bluetooth Basic Tutorial. Scroll down the page and you'll see my use Arduino code. Copy and paste this to the Arduino IDE and then save the program. Next, press the right arrow button at the top of the Arduino IDE page in order to upload the program to the Arduino. Next, we'll need a green LED. Technically speaking at this point, I should wire in a 220 ohm resistor as the forward voltage for these LEDs is only a couple of volts. But as I don't have a 220 ohm resistor handy, 
I'll just wire it directly and make sure the light isn't on for too long. I've got plenty of these LEDs, so I won't be fussed if I blow one or two up and make some smoke. Next, put the longer lead, the anode, in pin 13 on the Arduino, and the shorter lead, the cathode, in ground, which is next to pin 13. Connect power to the Arduino Uno and press the button on the board. The LED should flash three times. If it does not, check your power connection, that you've wired the LED correctly and that you've flashed the program to the Arduino correctly. Now let's look at the HC06 board. You'll see six connections at the end, but only four have pins wired to them. The four pins are VCC, which is plus five volts, ground, receive data RXD, and transmit data TXD. At this point, I should point out the problem with Mayu's article. The HC06 is a five volt device, so it's quite easy to power it from the Arduino, which is also a 5 volt device. However, the RxD pin on the board is designed to accept data at around 3.3 volts. If you wire the transmit pin from the Arduino to the receive data pin on the HC06, you will be pumping 5 volts into the board, and this may cause part of the circuit to fry. As HC06s cost a little more than LEDs, we need some way to reduce the 5 volts coming out of the Arduino down to about 3.3 volts. We can do this using a couple of resistors in what's called a voltage divider circuit. In this circuit, we have two resistors, R1 and R2, wired in series. The top of R1 is wired to the voltage we want to reduce, and the bottom of R2 is wired to ground. We tap the point where the two resistors connect to get our reduced voltage. We calculate the reduced voltage by taking the value of R2 and dividing that by the sum of R1 and R2. We then take this result and multiply it by the value of the voltage we are seeking to reduce. I looked through my junk box and found two resistors. One is a 1.5K resistor, and the other a 3.3K resistor. So if the 1.5K resistor is R1, and the 3.3K resistor is R2, and we are voltage dividing a 5 volt DC source, we calculate the divided voltage as follows. 3300 divided by 1500 plus 3300 equals... 3300 divided by 4800, which in turn equals 0.6875. We take the result, 0.6875, and multiply that by 5, which gives us 3.4375 volts, which is close enough to our desired 3.3 volts. So here's how we wire the four pins on the HC06 to our Arduino. First, wire VCC on the HC06 to the 5 volt pin on the Arduino. Next, wire ground on the HC06 to ground on the Arduino. Then wire pin 0, also known as RX, on the Arduino to the TXD pin on the HC06. 
Finally, we need to wire the last pin using the voltage divider circuit we just made. Using a breadboard, wire pin 1, otherwise known as TXD, on the Arduino to one side of the 1.5K resistor. Connect the other side of the 1.5K resistor to one side of the 3.3K resistor. Then connect the unconnected side of the 3.3K resistor to ground. Finally, connect RXD on the HC06 to the point where the two resistors join each other. Our circuit is now ready to go. Next, go to Bluetooth settings on your phone and look for the HC06 module. You can pair your phone to the module using the secret code 1234. Next, install the LED controller APK app you downloaded. You may need to change the settings in your phone to allow you to install APKs from external sources. Once this is done, you're ready to play. Open up the LED controller app and select Bluetooth devices. You should see your HC06 listed there, although it may show up using its serial code. Select this device. On the main menu of the app, you now have two buttons, on and off. Press the on button. The LED should light up and pressing the off button should turn it off. Congratulations, you've just made your first remote control project using the HC06 module. Of course, you can do much more complicated things using the HC06 module, but this segment has shown you how easy it is to get started. The way this all works is relatively simple. The HC06 creates a serial wireless link between the Arduino and your phone, the same as if the two were wired directly to each other. When you press the on button in the app, a number one is sent over the serial link. May use Arduino program listens to the serial link, and if a number one is received, it turns the LED on. If you press the off button in the app, a number zero is sent over the serial link. If may use program receives a number zero, it turns the LED off. Now you can send much more complicated data over the serial link, and this can be used to control multiple devices in multiple ways. To do this, you'll need to make your own apps to send serial data. I suggest you check out MIT App Inventor at appinventor.mit.edu, where you can learn how to make your own apps. Once you've made an app to send different kinds of serial data, you can amend may use Arduino code to control more devices. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've looked at that App Inventor before. Uh, that's pretty neat stuff. I actually thought about doing a segment on it at one point. It's on my list of possibilities. But you can build some cool apps with it. Yeah, I need yeah, to look into that. I want to write some, some Android apps, and I just hadn't. Yeah, this is almost a drag and drop. Really? It's a, yeah, it's, it's cool. Check it out. It's a pretty neat sign. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool, Peter. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, neat idea and and cheap way to do it too. Yeah, and and easy. Yeah, email two thumbs up. I think up. we might be we might be reversing roles here, and we just don't know it. <laughs> What's up? What's uh, up with that? One point though. One point though. As I said, Apple is not cheap old band compliant. No, and they and they'll never claim to be. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, so get Android. Okay. Well, watching your segment there and, and some of your initial test setup there got me thinking about something. And I didn't watch this till last night, so I just kind of pulled this together. We're just going to do some live tests here real quick. You know, when when I saw you take that LED and just plug it in the Arduino there without the resistor, uh, and all of, I'm going to fast up, all of us have done that at one time or another, you know, because <laughs> you may not have a resistor handy and, well, you know, I I got plenty of LEDs, but <laughs> as a man who has blown out pins on his Arduino before, and I have Tommy's in that club too, I thought maybe we just ought to take a quick look at that and see if that's really a safe practice. Um, and I'll admit I've done it, but it's oh, I've done it too. Yeah, but it's it's not the best idea I ever had. I'll just say that. What well, is? Well, doing this test and finding out. <laughs> We're just going to see, because I really didn't know how much current an LED is going to draw when you change the voltage yeah. on it. So so let's just look at this right here. Here's a, a quick drawing that I did just a few minutes ago, and it's not my best work. That's not a virtual air schematic. No, it's not. You know, I needed something that would... That, that I could actually see or I was going to have trouble putting my finger in the right place. <laughs> so what, what we've got here is a battery. We've got an ammeter. And you know, an ammeter goes in series with mm -hmm. whatever load you're putting on the battery. And we've got a resistor like you'd normally use to drop the voltage going on to an LED. And, of course, the LED goes on out to the other side of the battery. But you... We've put a voltmeter right across the LED so we can see how much voltage we're putting across that LED. And we can see how much current the LED is drawing. So, How many ohms is your resistor? Uh, that's going to vary depending on the, uh, Which one you pull the, out the LEDs package. and the voltage. All right, so this right here is a package of those 5-millimeter uh, high-brightness white LEDs from Radio Shack that I bought back when uh, the stores were closing. When they still had a Radio yeah. Shack. It was a package of two, but if you look, I've got more than two in there, and that's because I bought everything they had and just consolidated them to a single package there. But the reason I chose these, and these probably draw a little more current than, than uh, you know, just a typical old red LED, not much so because I did look those up too, but this one is rated uh, for a forward supply of 3.3 volts. It says it should draw 25 milliamps. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's going to be our our test LED here. And as a matter of fact, here it is, and it's bright. It is it, high brilliance. It is isn't bright. They like that Tommy. star filter effect on that. That's pretty cool. Camera. Is that a special star LED? No. What were you saying, Pete? Uh, email? I was asking Tom if he has a uh, fire extinguisher handy. Uh, no, but it's not a bad idea. We've yeah. been through this before. <laughs> we still got the scar, the burn marks on the yeah. table here. 
<laughs> so I, I looked up a red LED as well, and they typically, around that same voltage, would draw around 20 milliamps. There you go. So not, not, not a lot of difference in the current draw. All right, so I've got the two meters sitting here, and uh, this one on the left is reading the voltage across the LED. Uh, the one on the right is reading the current flowing through it. So I've got it drawing 25 milliamps, the the um, rated forward current for yeah, this LED. Pretty much right on the money. All right. And uh, it's 3.17 volts instead of 3.3, but that's okay. Now, what I'm using here as a resistor is I've just had an old 400-ohm uh, little tremor potentiometer that I'm using instead of a fixed resistor. That way I could dial it until okay. we got right on 25 milliamps. Okay, so you would... The first thing I'd think, okay, 25 milliamps. What is the Arduino rated to take? What If you put a draw on one of the digital pins on there, either a source or a sink... What would you think the Arduino could stand? How many milliamps? Fifty, right? Fifty. Uh, well, I can't remember. The maximum—that's the absolute maximum—is forty milliamps. Is the most current that you can draw off an Arduino now? Uh, in the Arduino Uno, that's the maximum. They recommend it less than that. You know, more like uh, you know twenty milliamps. But uh, th this is uh, from that web page that I've got listed there. Um, so maximum current per pin on the Arduino, 40 absolute maximum. Um, the, the total DC current you can draw on a set of pins, in other words, the Arduino can only source or sink so much current, so... If we look, at, and this gets real confusing, you'll remember this from when we used to deal with those uh, TTLIO cards in the computer, but you see those those red blocks there? Mm -hmm. If you took those particular pins that are connected there, the most that you could draw voltage from that would be 150 milliamps in that group, all of them added together. Uh, you see the next ones there in orange? You could only draw 150 milliamps on all those pins combined. Okay. And the same with the blue and the green there, 100 milliamps for those. So there, there's limits as to the maximum that the Arduino can source. It adds up. In other mm -hmm. words, it's not like you can draw uh, 20 milliamps from everything and be within. You know, you could, right. you could exceed that easy enough. With that in mind, 40 absolute maximum, so we say... 20 is safe. 25, well, that's less than 40. We can probably get by with that. You know, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll probably be okay there. Now, I'm just using a 5-volt power supply for this. I don't actually have it hooked to my Arduino mm -hmm. um, because I wanted to make sure I had all the current I'd need for this experiment. So we've, we've taken this uh, potentiometer here. We've adjusted it to drop it down to 3.16 volts. Gives us the maximum of 0.025 amps or 25 milliamps. Now I'm going to move my jumper lead here, and we're going to bypass the resistor. Okay. So that we're putting all the voltage from 
that power supply into the LED. And I'm not going to hold it there a long time. I'm not worried about it hurting the power supply. Mm -hmm. If it was my Arduino, I might. But it could burn out that LED, and I've got, you know, like I said, a number yeah. of those. So I'm not too worried about that for this experiment. All right, so let's unhook it. And now I'm just going to hook straight 5 volts or thereabouts to the LED. All right, 5.05 volts. It's drawing 180 milliamps. Oh, wow. And you notice the color of it changed to blue, too. Oh. It's no longer white. Um, so. Is that a multicolor LED? No. Oh. That's just what happens if you um, That's interesting. run way more voltage. So. I guess what we're what I'm saying there is is it's not safe to hook an LED right across your Arduino, whether there's ground on one side of the LED or whether you know you're running off of the voltage. It, it's too much current, and you may get by with it for a little bit, and mm -hmm. and, and we have, and we've yeah, all yeah, I have. Done I've, that. I've done the same thing, but exactly the same thing. I had no idea it was going to draw that much current. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, well, normally this, you know, uh, three volts to that. Well, if I double the voltage, I would guess, well, that might make it draw 50 milliamps. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't know it would be <laughs> way over 100. Well, that's so, a huge uh, difference. Yeah. So anyway, just a little experiment there just to see that it's it's not linear. The, the current doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't go up... Uh, Linearly with the voltage, so um, I just wanted to see. So yeah, the diagram some, was actually very interesting. That uh, that the uh, limit on those is in groups of pins. Yeah, uh, that was too. I did not know that before. Uh, you know, before we went and uh, or I went and looked this up last night. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a good uh, good reference to kind of keep yeah. around if you do very much Arduino stuff. You know, it's different on some of the other Arduino models than the Uno, but it's not that much different. It's it's pretty much the same limits on all of them there. So, um, you know, while they'll do a little more, just, you know, just, just keep in mind that uh, you might burn out a pen and have to order that replacement chip like you and I did. Yeah, those chips are kind of hard. Well, you can get them, but... Uh, they're, they're a little they're, harder. They're actually a little pricey by the time you buy the chip and have it shipped. Yeah. You could buy a clone Arduino for the same price. We'll be back in just a minute, but uh, first let's pay a few more bills. Okay. Ring in the holidays with D-Star. Looking for the perfect gift to put under the tree this holiday season? Check out ICOM's line of D-Star radios ICOM offers a variety of high-performance and innovative products. Unwrap ICOM's newest D-Star handheld portable this season. Lightweight, compact, and tough, the new ID31A Plus is a great choice for any shack or those in harsh environments. It's a 70-centimeter radio for both analog and digital, terminal mode and access point mode, and it has an IPX7 waterproof rating. 
Compact and user-friendly, the ID4100A is the gift any ham would love. It's the new D-Star Mobile with big rig features. Its intuitive interface, variety of operating modes, and Bluetooth capability make this the preferred D-Star option for those on the go. Integrated GPS receiver, new dot matrix display for enhanced DR mode and GPS information, terminal mode and access point mode, and micro SD card slot for voice and data storage. And there's applications for iOS and Android devices. The ID5100A has taken innovation and mobility to the next level. With its touchscreen and internal GPS, this radio is a must-have while assessing the situation. 5.5-inch touchscreen display responds naturally to touch. DV Dual Watch receives with both FM-FM and FM-DV mode signals simultaneously. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. AmateurLogic.tv slash chat. What have they been talking about in there, Emil? I notice you've been, uh, look like, focused on the monitor there. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, we're trading some fluke stories since you're talking about it and uh, other tomfoolery going on as usual. Yeah. Somebody says we have the, an MA rating. <laughs> Wait, let's see. Is that mall or mature audience? Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. Uh, yeah, I see they're talking about meters. I don't know where they could have come up with that subject from. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Could be a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> Probably is. I I've been waiting for a place to use that. What did you say, Mel? I was saying I still have my same Fluke 73 I've had forever. Wow. I could never afford a 73, so I didn't ever own a Fluke myself until a couple of years ago. Really? Yeah. I don't know what a 73 costs. I'm not sure why I said that. I'll just say I was too cheap to buy a 73 when that was hot one. It was $50 at a pawn shop. Oh, well... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> no, no call yet. Alfred asked, "Am I going to sing on the next show?" We're hoping. You really don't want me singing. Yeah. Rock and Ray may have, make an appearance. Maybe I don't know. I guess we'll have to talk to him and see yeah. if he's free. Yeah, we were talking about the Christmas uh, show. It's going to be uh, a month from now. We've already made contact with the Great White North, and we will be having some help on the Christmas episode. Yeah, that's about as close to the North Pole as we can get. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know how far Tomei is from the North Pole. He might be a little closer. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Plans uh, in the near future? Um, I, I might keep playing with these HC06 uh, modules and uh, uh, just see whether I can uh, come up with some good practical ham radio-related applications for them. Um, you know, So uh, I think they're, they're actually quite a very versatile and useful thing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I enjoyed that segment. That was, that's a good use of that technology, and it's so cheap. Yeah, you know, yeah. I looked I looked at those modules myself not too long ago. I was on an ordering spree, and I bought a bunch of little things like that to do segments because it's kind of a pain to try to scrounge that stuff up at the last minute. But I thought one thing that would be cool to make with those is uh, wire, the wireless heads-up display. 
Really? Well, yeah. so you yeah. didn't have to run the cable up through, you know. Yeah. I just thought, I don't know, it might be kind of neat. Just well, depends on your application where you need to install it and everything. If you got a radio with Bluetooth in it, which I think you do. No, you got to have a, you can have an Arduino on one end. Oh, okay. Yeah, you to, could. To, to yeah. do the sending also. And I've, I bought these little, uh, when I was at the Micro Center, they had them on sale for four bucks. These little Arduino Pro Minis, about about that big. Mm-hmm. And it's a, about, it's a pretty powerful little device for four wow. bucks and very small. Yeah. Good deal. Uh, George, uh, I, uh, George <clears throat> I imagine there are times when you have to go climb a tower, even not maybe not a, a huge tower, but climb a tower to go measure something at a point in the tower um you know having a, a bit of a remote bluetooth access like that might be uh, avoid the need to do a lot of climbing um you know i don't climb any higher than about 20 feet so <laughs> <laughs> no i i don't i i hire climbers to to do anything like that but uh yeah yeah no, i was just thinking that like Imagine you've got an antenna that uh, is mounted on your carport or your garage roof. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what you could do is you could have something like uh, just continually measuring the SWR at the um, the feed point of the antenna and then sending that back via Bluetooth to your phone, for example. Um, yeah. That would be uh, uh, quite a, a practical use for the, the, the technology. The fact that you can control an Arduino from your phone is enough to sell me on it on the idea. You know, I uh, I, I just think that's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to do it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things you can do with it. Yeah. The, the always the trick is finding a practical application yeah. for it, and there, and there are a lot of them around. You just kind of you know you just got to find the need for yeah. some of it. Yeah, I noticed the other other. As, as I mentioned in the segment, the other good thing is that um, the uh, Raspberry Pi 3 comes with Bluetooth built in. So mm-hmm. you can actually have your Raspberry Pi communicating with an Arduino somewhere on, a, on an ongoing basis mm-hmm. with yeah. data going back and forth. So that, that opens up possibilities yeah. as well. Uh, over in the chat room here, uh, we've, we've had a, a couple of questions in there. Uh, We've got a, a guest that asks, says, Hi, um, guys, I'm uh, brand new and setting up my station. My shack is upstairs in a two-story house and was wondering the easiest way to ground my setup. Would a braided ground about 30 feet still work and help with RF? Um, what do you think, Tommy? I think it'll work and it'll help. might not be mm-hmm. optimal, but... Uh but I think it's better than having no ground. I, I think so, too. Um, yeah. The wider the wider the ground strap you can get, the exactly. better off you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know about the, the prices. Yeah, go with as wide as you can get on the, uh, on the braided ground there, or go with copper strap, but you're spending a lot more money on the copper strap. But uh, keep in mind that the RF flows around the outside of a conductor, not, not right through the center of it. So the bigger physically that conductor is, you yeah, know, the, the more, more surface area you got, yeah. the better off you're going to be. Yeah. So, yeah, I, w- I would say it, it would be worth doing with just, uh, you know, uh, a braided ground if if you're upstairs. 
I would not use a cold water pipe. You know, that's what everybody used to say. Well, you just tie it to a cold water pipe. No, that's not. That that's not really a good idea. Uh, and Most of them got a big piece of polybutylene in there anymore, anyways. Yeah. Even uh, a lot of the houses are putting that stuff in them now. So, if your house is very new. There's a good chance that your cold water pipe's not grounded anyway. Yeah. Uh, Tim K five TM eight said, uh, "George, I'm a new viewer. Have you used a Raspberry Pi for rig control and logging software for your HF rig? I have not myself. I don't think any of us have used a Pi with the HF rig yet, have we? I have. No. Oh, you have. Email. Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> yeah. FL Digi. FL Digi. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, well, you know that." Uh, how long ago? Yeah. How long ago was that, uh, Emil? Oh, uh, I'm gonna say probably a month. I mean, I, last time I dragged my rig in there, I fell digi with uh, forget the ham, the rig control program that kind of comes bundled with it. Kind of, kind of add pieces here and there. And it it supports uh, a lot of rigs, doesn't it? Yeah. Ham live, um, I think. Is, what is it, it FL rig? I think. Oh, is yeah. the add-on. Yeah. Oh, is that it? Yeah, there's there's two of them. That's one, and then Hamlib, I think, is the other one. Yeah, Hamlib. Um, yeah. And as a matter of fact, I've just been looking at that one. I'm working on a uh, a project wasn't ready for this month, but I'm using an Arduino along with an HF uh, radio and a TFT color display. Yeah. So we'll have to we'll have to take a look at that when I'm through <clears> with it. It's I, th- I think it's going to be a, a nice project. Uh, and Tom said that you might want uh, a ground tuner. And they do make a ground tuner that uh, you, you spread out some ground wire, I think, or, or counterpoise in your upstairs room, and then they have a tuner especially made to, to tune it and use it as an artificial ground. Oh, yeah. Uh, MFJ has that. Um, that doesn't surprise me. And then this uh, cheap guy says, 30 foot of ground is an antenna. That's true. <laughs> Emil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, going up two stories, too. Well, it really is true. Yeah. Ballrick <laughs> uh, says, I use a Pi with Bluetooth. Wi-Fi and nice antennas to profile the RF in my neighborhood. Hey, that's a good, good use right there. Uh, catch you next time. No call yet, Alfred. He's he's checking out. Can I control a dog or a chicken? <laughs> a mouse, maybe. Spike. I don't know. What do you think, Peter? That's... Oh my! <laughs> I don't think he's even going to answer that. <laughs> Who said that? Yeah, that's a different kind of show. Well, I think I'm about ready to wrap it up and go get some supper. I think I am, too, because I hadn't eaten either. Well, I did have that bag of Cheez-Its while we were setting up and um, doing that earlier, but that's it. With ridges? Uh, no, without ridges. Oh. So yeah. oh. There's that. Do the ridges taste better? Yep. I think so. 
It's like, you know, ruffles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it gives you, um, you know, it's like getting twice the potato chip almost, isn't it, Emil? Because you've yeah. got the taller spots with the the ridges there. That's right. It's, so you uh, can fit yeah, this I much like potato chip. I think this white cheddar one is pretty good. Yeah. The, the which which ones? The white cheddar. Um, oh yeah, those are that's what, yeah. I like those too. Yeah. My mom, my mom loved those things before she passed away. When she was in the hospital, every time I come up there, she's like, "That's what she wanted." Yeah. Wow. Well, any final words before we go tonight, Tommy? Nope. Uh, it's been fun, and. Uh, be good, because Christmas is coming up. Yep. And uh, we'll see you next time. Okay. Uh, well, Emil, you're sitting there. What about you? Uh, last words I'd have always is going to be 73. Stay warm. Okay. That works. <laughs> Peter? advice. Yeah. Uh, my final words, take care around ladders and uh, catch us all for our Christmas episode, which should be a lot of fun. Good advice. Yeah, definitely do that. All right, yeah, it's going to be fun. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah, have a great Thanksgiving. Yep. Uh, And, Peter, um, I don't know. You don't have that holiday, but uh, we will make you an honorary American for that one day so that you can take off work. I'm sure your employers will understand. (laughs) Yeah, just tell them it's okay. Yeah, tell them George and Tommy said so. No worries. Okay. Uh, Actually, a distant relative of mine on my mother's side uh, actually uh, lived for a time, uh, where was it, in Rhode Island, and was actually married there. So um, I do have a, a distant connection with the U.S. Okay. No worries. All right. Seven three, everyone. Thanks for being here, and we'll we'll see you next month. Seventy three, everybody. Seventy threes. Seventy three. Welcome to Amateur Logic, episode 111. I'm George. I'm Tommy. Guess what? My microphone's not on? No, your microphone is fine. It's uh, email and Peter. Oh. Okay, let's uh, rewind. Is that okay. a <clears throat> Huh? Uh, <clears throat> we'll just read your lips. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome to Amateur Logic, episode 111. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm not first. No. <laughs> you were on screen. Yeah. I'm Peter.